Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Within his discussion of the emotion of anger in Rhetoric Book 2, Aristotle is going to highlight a very important dynamic that I think we can all more or less relate to from our own experience, whether it's that of getting angry ourselves or that of observing other people getting angry within our relationships, our culture. And it has to do with things being put down, things being insulted, things being belittled, not so much people, but things that are not themselves, you could say, animate, having feelings, all of those sorts of things that goes with personhood. And remember that in the definition of anger, Aristotle said that it's a desire for retaliation based on some apparent slighting. And the slighting has to be against ourselves or, you know, oneself or against those one cares for, literally those that are one's own. Now, it doesn't have to be people or even animals. It could be abstractions, as we're going to see, or anything fitting into the domain of fandom or activities, anything that we take seriously. So what is this dynamic? He tells us people get angry with those who, and then he tells us two different things. And these kind of overlap to a certain extent. People who speak ill of kakos legusin in Greek. Kakos is this general badly badness, right? As an adverb. And then legusin is the, the verb to, to talk. Or people who despise kataphronousi. And this is, you know, kataphronesis, one of the main modes of sliding that Aristotle has distinguished along with spite, eparasmos, and insult, hubris, right? So why is he picking this one out in particular to highlight? Couldn't it be enough just to insult or get things in the way of? Why focus so much on contempt or despising or literally thinking downward upon something? And then what does speaking ill include? It could include the other forms of slighting. It could also include things like getting matters mixed up or wrong. I remember when I was a kid, you know, a teenager, a very young teenager, and I was getting into Dungeons and Dragons and my originally francophone mother, she's, you know, fourth generation immigrant, but grew up speaking French before English, would often reverse the things and would call it dragons and dungeons. And I would get mad at her for saying that because I felt it was a kind of unseriousness. Or when my grandfather would come and I'd have these tabletop role-playing games that were very complicated and he'd come by and he'd say, who's winning? <laughs> I'd get mad at him because I felt like he was speaking badly or showing contempt. Now, what do we get worked up about when it comes to this? Things that people take seriously. In the Greek, it's periha malista spudazusin. So spudazusin is coming from spudaios, which means a serious person, a person who is committed. Sometimes it's a 
adjective that means a good person, or at least a person who's serious about ethics and morality, but you could be serious about all sorts of other things, ranging from a beautiful lawn to your ability to cook amazing meals like those that you see on TV to celebrities and knowing everything about them or sports, you know, statistics or things like anything that a person can take seriously could become the object of this dynamic. And very interestingly, Aristotle gives us two examples and then, you know, includes at the end of this discussion, one of those catch all kaiepi ton alon. And, you know, with respect to all the other kinds of things like this as well. So the universe of matters that we can take seriously in this way and people can talk badly about or denigrate and then we can get angry about is pretty limitless and it keeps getting angry added to the more and more that we learn. So what are the examples? Well, this is really quite interesting. The first example that Aristotle gives is his own profession, philosophy, philosophia in Greek. The other thing that he talks about is personal appearance, idea, right? So your look, you could say. And think about how people do get worked up about, oh, your, your stuff is out of style. It's from last season. Ooh, you know, I'm being retro. People get very defensive about that sort of thing. And it's interesting to see that most of the translations use the locution in English taking pride in, which I think does somewhat capture the Greek term phila to montai, right? And so this is the word that is associated with um, ambition or literally loving honor or social status. Philo means loving or being affiliated with, uh, you know, having an affinity with, and then timuntai, time is honor or social status. And so these are the things that we strive to distinguish ourselves in, to have, you could say, a social role in. So if it's philosophy, it could be that you've studied a bit of philosophy and you want to, you know, appear smart or you want to appear knowledgeable or insightful or well-informed when it comes to it. You want other people to see you that way. And so when somebody else comes along and says, you know, philosophy is just a bunch of sophistry and it's a waste of people's time, then you get angry because somebody else is denigrating the thing that you're into. If it's pet shows like, you know, dog or cat, or I guess, you know, it could be any animal shows and somebody comes along and they're like, wow, look at those idiots spending all that money and time to get a, a dog to jump through hoops and then everybody claps. What a, what a load of crap, right? Well, then you, you get angry about that, but you get angry about that because you take that seriously and you're looking for some sort of recognition or status with respect to those matters. Aristotle goes on and he notes a very interesting aspect of this dynamic. People who are really secure in these kinds of matters don't really get angry about that. Why not? Because they know that they are well off with it. Like he says, when they feel strongly, they do possess these qualities, which are the subject of mockery. They pay no heed to it. They're not worried about what some random person, some Joe Blow jackass has to say about the thing that they know better about. It's when they're less secure about it that they become angry. So Aristotle says that they become more angry 
when they suspect that they don't really have these things. In Greek, quite literally, that these things aren't for them. Me huparchen autois. Huparchen is to like be present, to be available. So, you know, when it comes to philosophy, you're getting very prideful about it, but you actually don't know anything. I mean, I see this all the time with people who get very into the idea of Hegelianism and they they want to make everything Hegelian and then people look at them and they're like, well, you know, Hegel's kind of outmoded and clearly got a lot of things wrong. And they're ooh, so angry, right? And all they've actually read is a little bit of the master-slave dialectic from the phenomenology. They made a stab at the preface but gave up because it was too difficult for them. But they feel that there's something there. And we can say this too about personal appearance, right? If you pride yourself or wish that you were physically attractive, but you suspect you're really not, then if somebody comes along with some stupid random insult, let's say you have acne and they say, hey, pizza face, right? That was a very common thing back in my childhood. People would get very ashamed about that and angry and retaliate quite often. You say something back or push somebody into a locker. So they're more angry when they suspect they don't have these things. And Aristotle gives us a couple interesting qualifications for it. Either not at all, holos, Right? Somebody who is talking about their sports team and there's some big pot-bellied guy sitting on the couch drinking beer, hasn't thrown a football for years or picked up a hockey stick or pick whatever else it is. And they pride themselves on their winning team, right? When really... If they were to play, they'd just be a loser and they're uncoordinated. They got nothing to offer, but they can, you know, talk about, ooh, look at the new uniforms. Ooh, the referee made a bad call. Well, you know, that's possessing it not at all. Or if people are talking about philosophy and don't understand philosophy at all or, you know, personal appearance. So maybe they don't have it at all or not to any great extent, may ischuros, you know, not strongly, not forcefully, you could say, would be another way of translating this. So, you know, they're into a certain genre of music, but they're really just an amateur and they don't know that much about its history. Then, you know, somebody makes fun of it, they will get angrier as a result. And then Aristotle points out one other possibility, or that they don't seem to to others, may dokane, right? They don't appear to others to be connected with, to have these things there for them. So somebody who wants to be important and regarded as important in philosophy and may actually have something to offer, but is not viewed so by other people because perhaps they, they just overlook it or, you know, the class system within academia pushes them to the bottom or something like that. Well, they can get angry when their field is being disparaged. And this could apply, like I said, to any sort of fandom that you think of, any hobby, anything that a person takes seriously. It could even pertain to things that are long gone in the past. You know, I've got an attachment to the Roman Empire and I think Caesar was such a cool guy and somebody comes along and denigrates Caesar. Now I'm mad, right? Really quite silly and irrational, isn't it? But Aristotle points this out as a very common dynamic that does in fact govern anger and 
don't we see this happening in our own life histories and experiences and in the people around us and in the social media sphere and in so many other modes of, we could call it social observation and interaction. I think that he's on to something quite insightful here. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>